Welcome back to Board Culture. I am Woke Chill. I am here again with uh, R. Mendes and Joey Quinn, a.k.a. Uh, Richard and Michael. What's up, guys? How's it going? Hey. Hey. Yeah, so our artisan historians are back, and we are we are here with part two, 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 two. Uh, so this is the Silver Age of Artisans. Yeah, this uh, I guess uh, the, the way we're defining this one is uh, roughly between 2013 and 2015. Yeah. Um, and what we, uh, you know, what we start to see here now is a gradual, um, uh, let's say, you know, explosion of or first first wave of you know of of new makers come onto the scene following the early days of Clack uh, and Ishtab and Boost and, and and a few of those. And so now at this point, you know, we're going to be talking about. Folks that are, you know, still active today, uh, like Bro and, and Binge um, and some of the others. So this is a pretty interesting era. Nice. So who would you all say is the, the first, first or the, or the earliest, earliest uh, artisan, artisan maker, maker in, in the Silver, Silver Age that you want to talk about? That. Yeah, I think, um, I, I don't know if we have this exactly chronologically correct, but I think we're going to kick things off with Bro. Yeah. Yeah. As far as who started casting first, definitely Bro. You know, most people, I think, you know, even even the newest, uh, you know, members in this hobby would recognize Brocaps, right, as a brand. Um, it, it, you know, Bro launched with uh, the first uh, Brobot, which was essentially an Optimus Prime. <laughs> yeah, it was a toy head on a keycap. Yep, and, uh, you know, it... it that was the predecessor, I guess, to what I think is one of the most iconic sculpts in the hobby, right? The Robot V2. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone could argue it wasn't one of the. It's it's one of the classic sculpts. Absolutely, I mean, to Something this day, that everybody's had some exposure to. Yeah, it's it's ubiquitous. It's instantly recognizable. There are variations that go for you know hundreds. It's still very relevant today. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's interesting that when I when I first started um, and I was, you know, Googling around and, and looking at keycaps, um, the Cosmos sale, which is, I think, still up, the pics are still up on the Control-Alt site. Um, those those caps just blew me away, right? They were kind of, I think, one of the uh, first, if not one of the earlier first kind of Cosmos style casting where they were, you know, semi-trans with sparkles and things like that. And uh um that was a little bit later but but those really uh you know really drew me in yeah i guess yeah as far as higher production and stuff like that goes the cosmo sale might have been one of the earlier ones like that nub did some swirly sparkly stuff too probably earlier but yeah definitely earlier i guess he was already slowing down casting by then but yeah bro would have been the first to do it in any sort of you know, production size that, yeah, that it would be reasonably obtainable. That was actually the Cosmo sale. I think, I think that was the last bro sale I actually entered. I remember that that would have been what summer, summer 2015, right? Cosmo sales, something like that. I was, I was just beginning to lurk on, uh, on Reddit, I believe at the, at the time on, on RMK. But um, so the Brobot is obviously his most iconic sculpt, and you know he's very early on, you know, um, pushing up the bar in terms of 
uh, casting and in terms he was, of both casting techniques. Yeah, well, he was the first to do uh, CNC'd mold, as far as I'm aware. Oh, right, because the, the Robot V2 is a, a CNC'd master, right? Martin might have beat him to it. I don't really know. Mm, okay. So, yeah, but he, yeah, that it was probably the first wildly popular keycap to be made with, um, like, CAD. Yeah, and, and I'd venture to say, you know, following Clack, you know, Clack's skull, the bot, you know, the, the V2 was kind of the most widely popular artisan period after that. Right? Yeah. Um, and so it, it you know, definitely um, a milestone there. And I, it's interesting. I, I really do like some of his earlier work, like the, you know, the V1 stump and the... Uh, the V1s and the matching WASD sets. Yeah, cherry profile. <laughs> <laughs> They're weird. I like them though. And then Bro also had all the he had a whole set of prototype things that our sculpts people forget about, like the original <laughs> Broshito, and he had Vlad, and there was a, I think it, it was either one or two different Frankenstein designs, and they're. It's got a whole lot of stuff that people forget about. I think they're like um, mostly single shot, but really, really cool and hard yeah. to find uh, prototypes, essentially, of these earlier sculpts. Um, um, so, you know, I um, it's interesting, you know, Bro, like Binge, is kind of one where he, he's got a lot of longevity. So, um, you know, we could talk about him for at length, but I think... In terms of his participation in the Silver Age, you know, probably the V1 bot, the V2 bot, and some of the things we mentioned, like the prototypes and the stump and the UMAD and the rivets, that's probably yeah. his body of early work, right? Or Reaper, yeah. we guess that was 2015 as well? Yeah, that would have been Reaper, yes. Yeah, it would have happened back then. Another another kind of, I, I'd say, you know, after the Brobot, the, the Reaper V1, certainly for a long time, uh, was also another very iconic bro-cap bro sculpt. Yeah, for sure. I, I wasn't really a huge fan, you know, when I saw it in pictures, but then when I got one, I really appreciated it. Much like the, the clack skull, um, you know, it, it's it's a really neat neat sculpt if you see it in person. Yeah, I mean, I think especially the... Well, the clack skull seems to be the first keycap that was commodified. It was like something that people sought in and of itself, it was like something that was um, greater than just a, a piece of decoration on your your keyboard. It, it, it elevated the art form, but it seems like the next cap that was really commodified in the same way was the Brobot V2. And uh, it's interesting to see how that happened later. I think with the Fugu, these kind of blockbuster caps that then made names for, for makers. Yeah um let's see what what else can we talk about um that's in that time frame i don't want to i don't want to i think i think that that sums up bro in that time frame frame yeah and so i think you know in addition to you know the fact that he in addition to the fact that he was a maker i think you know what what he did with with control alt and and bunny and other things you know um he, they they were in in general that was i think you know a big influence on the community right it was a new sale format a new sale format i think it brought a lot it, it was i i would venture to say it's like the first kind of you know 
feeling that it, the hobby was getting mainstream, right? Uh, in, in, or not mainstream, but coming, you know, becoming more kind of like, you know, hitting bigger, bigger, and yeah, like scaled out sales and things like that, right? Yeah, toward towards the end, yeah, definitely as it scaled up more, because I I wasn't actually around when Bro originally started, because he started in 2013, and I wasn't around until 2014, so I kind of missed the kickoff there, but. And and just for people who might not be completely aware, so Control Art, Control Alt, which still exists today, um, they were like the first. Were they one of the first sites to really do, you know, set sales like not through a forum? Or what was the innovation there? Oh, what was the the changeup? Well, Control they it, it it was just a like a community company where through the website. Bunny could manage the the group buys and also host originally sales for Bro and then later on some KWK sales. Um, I don't know. That's nice. All right. Yeah. Thanks for because like that. like other people had used websites before. Like Binge has been using his own website for a while, but this was yeah. Control Alt partnering with artisans, not an artisan having their own website. Gotcha. It was other community members that I think helped, you know, build that, build up that site, the technical aspects of it and stuff. And there are plenty of people that still do that, that sort of sale format with um, Prime Caps now moving to that, as well as, um, you know, a couple other makers, especially Keyboard Yoga Club, which recently started, is is still kind of using that model. So, so moving on to to the next, you know, major maker. Um, Mike, I'll let you kick kick Nubba. Great, great maker. I wish he was still active, but why don't you why don't you start off? So Nub, I nubs like some of the first artisans I had were nubs, and I definitely didn't appreciate them as much as I should have. Um, but Nub was always the the kind of maker who, for, from the get go, was making keycaps because he he thought it was interesting and it was a creative outlet where he could make stuff that he liked and he wanted to see and he could mess around and have fun. And then if some other people enjoyed the keycaps and he could get them to them for a good price, he would. Like One of Nub's rules was that he would never sell one of his keycaps for more than $20 shipped, if I remember correctly. Wow. Um, <laughs> That's a bargain these days. <laughs> and so... Like the most of his sales, you you ended up paying, you know, like ten or fifteen bucks shipped for a cap or two, and then you'd open up the package and there'd be like eight caps in there because he would just throw in a bunch of freebies. You know, some of them might have had dud stems, some might have a little bubble, some might have like, you know, magnets already put in them. But he would give you the two caps you bought and then a ton of freebies because he was just you know having fun and he wanted to give back to the to the community and then on top of that later uh later in him making keycaps he was one of the first people to cast his own buckland spring stem uh used 3d printed bases to improve the the bottom of a keycap and he's also responsible for the first tmx so he yeah he did a lot on top of just having these, you know, wacky designs and bright colors mm -hmm. and 
Yeah, um, and and for those who haven't seen a lot of of Nub stuff, it it has, you know, I, I think you'll describe it as a, an organic style. It's very uh, homemade looking. Like you can definitely tell that someone sculpted it, and it has this kind of playful character to out, it. Yeah, that's what I really love about his style. It's like you know, and it wasn't sort of a. It's truly his style. Like it, it's not like it evolved to be something later. Um, mm-hmm. it, he kept that kind of organic, you know, look and feel. And, and uh, I definitely like, like Mike, I kind of learned to appreciate it later on. Um, some of my favorites of his are the, uh, are the Deckerson and the Thupper Heroes. I remember seeing the Thupper Hero, like I, seeing a too tall post a green one once, you know, a long time ago on Geek Hack. And I was like, wow, that's such an awesome gap. And later on, I find out after speaking with Mike that it's, it's kind of like his uh, one of his grails in terms of the complexity. It it was like it was like the perfect cap for Nub to end on, because it was it was the last sculpt he did before he stopped casting, and it was it's a multi mold cap, so like it, it's similar it's similar to a hunger in that it's sort of assembled in layers with each one requiring a new mold. Um, and also it, their distribution was the, just the most nub thing ever because while casting it, he decided that the price he would want to charge was $30. And because he had already said he, like, he was never going to charge more than $20, what he did was he cast maybe a dozen of them and then just gave them all away because he, he wasn't going to charge $30 and he was, he figured selling them at $20 wasn't worth it. So he may as well just cast as many as he felt like, and then just give them all away. It was it was great. It was so very nub and just the perfect exit for him from casting. Yeah, it's uh, I I this is one of the makers that I I really you know wish that I I was around for when he was selling stuff. I mean, really really cool stuff. The Dolly V one uh, is just so unique. I haven't really seen anything you know it's so distinctive i haven't seen anything like it i think the only you know thing i've seen recently that that has a similar kind of organic feel is is uh, sludge you know sludge kid uh, which came much much later uh, and interestingly i had asked sludge kid if he had looked at nubs and he, he hadn't seen it until i pointed it out so yeah a lot of people also don't really know a whole lot about nub because he's not a widely sought after uh at least not within a casual collectors right widely sought after so Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, interesting uh, maker for sure. Yeah, he's he's tough to find, but um, you know you'll always find him in, at the major meetups in the trophy cases of the more OG, the more uh, you know, sort of deep in the keycap cabal sort of people. They they always have a nub or two. You gotta to show you gotta off. have at it's, least it's really nice to see. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll try to work on that. <laughs> With, uh, you know, Mike the. the his his philosophy around you know making keeping it affordable was was fantastic and you know I wish I wish newer makers uh, even you know when they start out at least uh, ha- were a little bit more you know of that uh, yeah that's that's a whole yeah. discussion in itself but yeah keycap prices have changed so very much since Nub <laughs> was yeah was we could definitely do our own, another episode just on that. <laughs> Um, but moving on to one of my personal favorite people in the community, Binge, the man himself. I love Binge. Yes, love this guy, Robert. Um, so look, what I what I like about um, Binge is is also like you know 
he's one of those makers that's been around for so long that you can see the evolution of his of his art and it's been fascinating to to look at you know how that's evolved i haven't i don't have some of his early early stuff which is i think it started out with uh some hand-painted stuff right right um well yeah the the sculpted caps have been made i don't know i want to say mine is actually possibly the last one made so the last one i know of being made is one of the ones that i have um and it was made in 2015 but the sculpted caps were just kind of always a lot of them are really early but he he kept making them intermittently when he would he would sculpt and then paint on the cap so what do you what do you mean by what do you mean by the the sculpted caps so it's he he would take a, a keycap and sculpt clay on it and then either leave it unpainted oh, wow. or paint it in a few different ways and then just send that out it wouldn't be it wouldn't wow, that... no mold would be made they wouldn't be cast they were sculpted in clay and then painted <laughs> yeah that's that's incredible uh, did he, he he fired them like i guess you'd have to use pvt so that yeah. it wouldn't melt uh something wow. like that but yeah he they they always i don't i don't know if they were ever really sold i think a lot of them just went out to friends and stuff like that like the one the one i got was for rob gave it to me after i started mm-hmm. helping with the synth project it was like a welcome to hungerwork studio thing <laughs> and 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 how early are we talking how how early did binge come on the scene roughly uh well okay so binge has actually been around for a really really long time he has been around since 2009 so he he saw that that he he was around before clack was posting publicly and he saw the start of that and watched that full evolution um but he didn't start casting until i want to say it was um like june 2013 yeah, June something like that, and then Five Year Run makes him extremely, you know, early and or, or one of the longest lasting people in the community to stay to stay making. Obviously, besides Bro, and uh, now besides Clack, now that he's back, but that that's it's quite a long time to watch someone. Yeah, evolve. but also just he's also been in the community for nearly ten years now. Think about that one. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say yeah, especially since going full time, that he needs to that community action uh, interaction is a big part of his his job now is is going to meetups and yeah, and I love it. It's great that it's great. It's always good to see makers at meetups though. Put a face to the keycaps. If you have a chance to talk to him, he's. He's super scientific about it, about the process of yeah. casting, right? He he really has a deep, uh, you know, at least from my perspective, it seems like a very deep understanding of the entire thing, right? The chemical interactions between resin and colorants and um, environment over time, you know, the the uh, you know the, the demolding spray and how that could impact the environment and the longevity on a mold lifespan i mean he looks at a lot of these different factors right yeah that... he's he's the kind he's the kind of artisan who if 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 he has a keycap that fails he doesn't go oh well like i'll just do something different 
he'll figure out mm-hmm. chemically exactly what made that keycap fail. Or if something doesn't yeah. necessarily fail, it just comes out differently than expected. He'll be like, all right, can I repeat that? Is it something I want to repeat? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Like he is a scientist and an artist to the max on both. I would definitely say he is, he's the most methodical. He's a very methodical personality to begin with, but out of the artists and makers that, that I've had the opportunity to speak to, he seems to be most interested in the very deep questions about how do I do this the best? And then all the questions that, you know, have to be answered once you decide that. And and that's an interesting, you know, interesting combination of personality, right? Because he's also super creative and a, and a great artist. Like his his artwork, his hand-drawn artwork is fantastic. Um, uh, I mean, many of the artisans are, of course, they're, they're all artists. But, you know, the, the, the creativity across all his sculpts from, you know, the, um, the Cthulhu and Slothby and Orcs, I mean, there's there's so much... Um, variety there right yeah and i think one thing that i love too about his his works is usually sculpts end up tied to actual stories they were inspired by something or someone or they they weren't just created out of you know nothing he didn't just feel like sculpting something he he had a reason or something he wanted to convey Yep, the mo- the most at least the one that i'm most familiar with there is that sad story behind the otter file and, and it kind of a uh, a, a, a piece a dedicated to his friend, right? Yeah, it's dedicated to um, either a college friend or college uh, roommate. So, <clears throat> in terms of his sculpts, I mean, any any particular ones that uh, that uh, you like a lot, Mike? I mean, we all have our favorite. Oh, uh, well, one of my favorite. Binge caps isn't even something that was sculpted by Rob. It was sculpted uh, by his wife, um, Amber. Uh, and that is the uh, uh, hoot. So it's, it's an owl keycap, and they were just... Hoots displayed so many style or te- I guess techniques that you, you don't see too often in keycaps anymore with like dusting a mold with a metallic pigment and then casting the resin behind it so instead of like a really deep look it just gives the surface a super high contrast metallic look and then infilled eyes and i don't know they're just adorable they got little wings on the side and a cute little beak with some little like (laughs) fluff around it they're they're just i love them yeah i love the hoot too i the earliest one I have of his is the hand, the handicap. Handicaps. I'm. All, I also collect those. I think I have the largest <laughs> handy collection. <laughs> I love them. For those who don't know what the handicap is, it was actually a full. They're, they're big keycaps, so they're they're a little awkward to use, but they do still work. Um, and it's it's a full hand, so when you press it, it's a little hand that just cups your fingertip yeah it's like a paw like a cup palm facing up they're so great other thing is you know and, and this is of course not in the early days a little bit more later but um he he is you know uh very collaborative and and uh willing to willing to share with other other makers and and that's resulted in you know really interesting collaborations and tying into the collaboration the the idea of the the synth project starting in later 2015 
but the synth project starting in 2015, um, where, uh, the, the idea was to, to take the hard part out of, um, artisan making, which would be, you know, making sure that, that your base is fine, the walls are the correct thickness, the, the stem dimensions are correct. Maybe, you know, that kind of, you know, appreciation for, for profile and dimensions is something that, uh, you know, at least I, I find, you know, although, you know, he's made the slow fee and handy and, and caps that kind of don't fit your standard profile, things like the, the you know, Cthulhu, the first version, the Watson, and later on the Earl, were all great examples of keycaps that, um, you know, really, you know, look nice on a keyboard because they fit the profile of, of you know, common. It was, it was kind of, it, those are, they're kind of along the eye. And this, it's one of my favorite styles of artisan, honestly. And those, those caps you just listed are some of my favorites from him, including stuff like Smiling Jacks, um, where it's the perfect clack recipe of a low profile, detailed sculpt on top of a regular profile keycap, where it's just, it doesn't stick out too much. It, you know, you, you get all the detail you want, you get a perfect little character, but it's not an obnoxious keycap to have. It, well, I forget the name of the sale, Mike, but the the, the photochromic caps, the caps that change yeah. color, that, was that the first maker who, was he the first maker who made those? I know, I know um, Hipster did, uh, you know, or KW yeah, made Thermo, but this was Photo. Uh, that sale, was that sale? That sale would have been in 2016, I think, but yeah, yeah, probably. I, start, I started, what, late 2016, like early 2017, so the first, the, the, the most recent caps from bins that I was exposed to were those, and they were, you know, incredible, and, and even, even though they were still, you know, very finely detailed and stuff, he still had, like, an organic feel to me, um, and, and so I, you know, very very fond of uh, no his his sculpting style has always been pretty different than uh than everybody else's as far as like re realistic but just a good amount of detail and yeah not ever really cartoony unless it it was the earl family which were always kind of nigel thornberry and goofy <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely so is there any other last stuff you want to talk about binge in the silver age about uh, I think we're pretty good on that. I think yeah, I think that's good. I mean, the one one last mention. I'll, I, I think the Fuktulu, um, sorry, the the Skultulu was was made in the Silver Age, right? The, this was the Skultulu, what twenty fifteen? I'm trying to remember when I first got one, like what house I was living in. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was probably that was probably like early twenty sixteen, late twenty fifteen. Because Hunger came out then, too. Right. And, and I think that and the Otter, uh, the, the, the Fictulu and the Otter are two of his most iconic, I feel. And, and what the, you know, the Fictulu would go on to influence, uh, sorry, the Skultulu would go on to influence in his collaborations is, is pretty, uh, pretty amazing. It's a long artisan series. Eh? You've got Cthulhu and then Cthulhu V2 and then Skultulu, which is a Cthulhu wearing a skull. And then Fugthulu, which is a Kithulu wearing a Fugu mask. And then now Revthulu, which is a Kithulu wearing a Revenant head. Yeah. 
onto a very shadowy maker, at least from uh, my perspective, KBK and then later KWK. This is, I think, one of the defining vintage uh, makers or Silver Age makers, right? Some of the most, uh, definitely, at least from, you know, at the time that I saw it, some of the most detailed. Some of the most unique, I want to say. Uh, for overused term, but grungy, right? Yes, true, true, actual keycap grunge. True, like they were dirty. Yeah, and and it's been fascinating. He, you know, he evolved so quickly in the time that you know, in the short time that he was he was making. Yeah, that you you know, right? You could see almost with every sale the evolution, especially with the, um, you know, mummies and and death lives. Well, yeah, it's so. A lot of people don't realize, though, that he, for the most part, was not really that hyped for a while. Like, when he started making keycaps, like, people did not want them because they were, I mean, they were really rough. They were bubbly. They were totally different. The sculpts were kind of, they, they were not, like, cleaned up at all. The coloring techniques were different. Like, he would spray paint stuff. Stuff would have clay, not, like, clay infills, but, like... I guess like epoxy infills instead of like standard resin infills. He would also do standard resin infills. Like he was, he was all over the place. But for me that, like, I've always been a big KBK fan from the moment I got my hands on some. And just, I think the dirtiness added a lot to the caps. They're like, they're like the, uh, like, like bad old school monster movies where they didn't use CGI and they would have to like make a live prop of like a, like a, mummy or you know some other monster that's half falling apart like that's what those keycaps were and they're great yeah and you know it's it's funny the um a lot of i think since then you know people have tried to kind of you know emulate that that aesthetic um to varying degrees of success but he he definitely was kind of the uh, pioneer of it and uh um it, it was in, it's interesting to see some of you know he, he it's also hard to find some of his stuff right because a lot of his series were were all literally one-offs at conspires well conspires are kind of an interesting story too because people like that keycap was a joke kind of it was back in the day hmm. Corey and bro did not get along at all bro said that Corey uh copied the robot the two with his death lives and then Corey fired back with like the oh robot b1 is just a toy head on a keycap like anyone can do that and so as another shot at bro he put yeah so as, as a shot back he put the doll head he put a doll head on a keycap sculpted a hood around it and boom you've got conspire and so then they were all single shots. Some of them had dusting to make them look double shot, but trust me, there's some people who will debate this, but they're all single shot. Um, and they're just, I, they look really great. There aren't that many of them. There's specific reasons why, but we don't need to get into that. There, there's seem to be fewer in circulation than there actually are. Um, but yeah, they are hard to find. And then beyond that, there's only five false idols. There's only five Topra Karma Bats. There's only one MX Karma Bat. 
There was only one MX Karma bat. I think I may have briefly owned one of those, that, that or that particular one while it was going on to its other owner. No, you owned a Topher one because I've, there's only two people who own the MX one. Dustin had it and then I had it, or I've had it since uh, 20, late 2015. Thinking of a witch doctor, never mind. Oh, okay. Yeah, those are fun. There's, you don't see those moving too often either. That's one of like the forgotten KBK sculpts. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of interesting. It has the, the button eyes like the nub dolly. It's got the, the mohawk and those cute little horns. <laughs> and it looks like it, that one looked like it was just you know sculpted on top of a cap yeah it's sculpted on a wasn't it sculpted on like a backwards blank isn't it not even i think it's backwards if i remember correctly yeah i don't know they're great though and so so kbk eventually rebranded or or name changed to i think a KWK. year to the day Oh, so what's the first of all? What do they stand for, and what's the significance, if any, of the change? Okay, so November twenty thirteen, if I recall correctly, is was the kickoff of KBK, which stands for Killed by Caps, and back then <laughs> the maker's name was Hipster Punks. Um, and then after a year of making caps, the hipsters Hipster Punks account stopped posting. He, he posted, like, like see y'all later, and then disappeared. And this account called Punk's Dead started up. And then we had the first KBK sales, or KWK sales. Um, but the first KWK sales were still kind of disconnected. Like, people had started to figure it out, but all the first KWK sales were random drops on the Cult Warships Caps website. Um, which is no longer, it's no longer even a thing anymore, but there would be random drops of wrapped caps and vandals. Um, and so kind of in early 2015, no, in late 2014, cause this would have been November, 2014. So like later 2014, early 2015, um, people had started to post vandals and stuff like that. And people had started to figure out that clearly it was the same person who had been making kbk um and so then there was this whole thing of like all right who is it and then punk's dead and by then the cover was blown but the rebrand had already happened so from then on there were some more random classified sales and then the control alt partnership yeah it's interesting because if you read the uh the geek hack you know um uh, you know, post about, you know, it's almost like a week, little mini summary of, of, of KBK and KWK. You wouldn't have thought that it was not known at the time. That it was the same person? Yeah, it was kind of like, uh, it was similar to a gaff starting out in more mm. recent times. But a little bit of like a wink and a nod, like, no, 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 like, hipster punk's dead, wink, wink. Yeah between the, those two is that gaff stylistically was a huge departure from key collective whereas yeah kbk to kwk wasn't that big of a well i mean there was a big difference in that they got a lot cleaner a lot more polished and like like the colorway style changed but yeah sculpt styles were the same and um 
Then actually in November 2015, for a few days, the Punkstead account didn't get used at all, and Punkstead Squared popped up. So I guess technically Corey has three GCAC accounts as of right now. Only one that he actually uses, though. He's He hasn't disappeared completely, so he still hangs out on some of the Discord servers. Yeah, and... yeah from, from time to time, I've definitely seen him in the Mech Keys Discord just kind of pop his head in. In Mech Keys, too, exactly. So it's nice that, you know, he's sort of around... Uh, um, he's, I think, from what I gather, he's, he's busy in corporate life as well and uh, uh, personal life, so yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I hope I hope we see him come back casting again get some more vandals out in the world or or maybe not because they're kind of fun that they're rare if he were to make something new what it would be by the way we didn't mention the warus oh yeah is an, um, version one and then version two version one of course super super grungy and organic and then version two a lot more quote unquote. version two is still it's more polished but it's still pretty grungy i mean you flip it over and you see brains and then the the stem of the keycap is a spinal cord and like the the flower on the top isn't a flower; it's actually brains leaking out of a head wound. Like that cap's gnarly. <laughs> One of the few caps that the underside is as cool as any other cap's top, you know, front side. <laughs> yeah, truly. Like they're cool. And yeah, and if you if you um, haven't seen one, you know, check it out. It's uh, for those listening, the the, the warus teeth uh, at the edges of the cap required him to essentially make the stem a little longer, right? No, he it's as tall. He it he actually cut off the bottom of the keycap and then left the corner things, and that's why. I mean, not like it like it's shorter than a keycap, so the 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 tusks don't protrude lower than the base of a normal keycap would. Makes the stem look longer, but it's actually regular length, right? Yeah. But it just also gave him more room to then show off the spinal cord sculpting on the outside of the stem. Because what else do you do when you're going to have exposed stem but, you know, turn it into a spinal cord? So, you know, wrapping up on, on uh, KBK and KWK, I, I think he was the first to do the thermo, uh, thermo effects, right? Uh, in, in, is it the Mummy 2? The, the mischief, the, the many mischief Mummy 2s and then going on to some wraps and some other stuff. Wasn't one of the idols heat changing? Oh yeah, but that one that one broke. That one never entered circulation, sadly. He said he destroyed it. I don't know if he actually destroyed it, but I know it never had a functioning stem. Uh yeah, that that sucks though. I have too many pictures of that cat. <laughs> Last thing um, you know, that always I I always wondered about was you know, if you look at the the um the mummy, you know, the, the v2 and the v3 there's so many folds in there i've all often wondered if it just didn't you know destroy the the molds when you took it out i mean if you look at early mummy 2s plenty of them have mold bits and bubble like the early mummy 2s like if you've seen mummy 3s they're pretty clean and late mummy 2s are pretty clean but the early ones they were still rough they're cool though like the it, it as i said it's that like 80s monster movie live prop horror like the dirtiness helped, like the roughness helped. Yeah, it's definitely got a practical effects kind of feel yeah. to it, as opposed to a CGI, you know, overdone. It's 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 minimalist. Every um, you know manipulation made comes across and and adds to the feel. Yeah. So um, moving on to uh, to the next maker, this this one 
you you know people might be surprised at how early uh, he started, but Crytone, um, another you know one of my favorite makers out of Asia. I'm trying to remember is he uh, Malaysia? I think uh, I'm trying to remember if Crytone. But it, it, anyway, Southeast Asia. Um, Great caps, um, been around for a while. He he's known for some of his taller sculpts, like um, the chibi, the many dragons, yeah, and and uh, later on uh, outside of the Silver Age, but um, his Totoros, um, great great maker. Um, lately, very very clean, you know, work. Um, hyper, uh, you know, separation between small elements on the cap. Um, have you, you, Mike? You've mentioned something about he was one of the early, one of the few that's doing. I don't know if he's still doing gravity casting now, but um, for a while he was still doing a mix of gravity casting and pressure pot stuff. Um, and the gravity casts were actually really clean as far as gravity so, casts go. So this this is a good point to kind of unpack that a little more. So so a lot of makers use pressure pots but it seems like the original like a lot of the early caps were, were gravity casts what's the difference between these two um well gravity casting it like so a, a vacuum setup is much like easier and cheaper to, to set up than a, than a pressure pot setup so what you do is you mix the resin you vacuum out the air you pour it in the mold and then after you've like maybe put a rubber band around the mold or just closed it up. Um, you just let that sit. That would be gravity casting. Um, and then with a, a pressure pot set up, after you've filled up the mold and sealed it up, you put it in a, a pressure pot and then you lock it up. And you, you I, don't, I don't know what PSI you pump it up to, but you pressurize it so any air bubbles that then do form, um, because it's under pressure, they stay super small or they don't form at all. Gotcha. Get get kind of pushed out or yeah. So so typically gravity cast caps. If you're doing them cleanly, you're you it you just know what you're doing. You're not over mixing the resin. You're evacuating all the air, and it's just harder to do to get That's, them clean. Thanks. Yeah. Yep. the The other thing about uh, Crytone is I think um, he he was one of the earlier uh, makers to do commissions for some some friends i mean of course there could have been others that did that but um uh, i don't know and i don't know if he does it anymore but that that was interesting to see there were a lot of like one-off dragons um that were made you know for for uh, individuals i think it was just kind of a, a little bit more of a thing in general in like 2014 2015 where if you approached a maker they'd be willing to to make you a commission for Retail or close to it, where it was just like, "Hey, yeah, sure, I'll I'll try that out, and if it looks nice, I'll I'll sell you one." Yeah. If only uh, we we were back in those days, right? Yeah, that's why that's why keeping track of everything that's out there when it goes back that far is difficult because you never know what left the maker's hands, what didn't, how much actually got photographed, how much didn't get photographed. Like, okay, and on that note, we will close up. I guess part one of. Um, the Silver Age, part two overall of artisan history. Um, some stuff that you all have to look forward to next time is we will be covering some real heavy hitters, Key Collective, Booper, uh, and maybe a little bit of ETF. So, guys, thank you so much for coming on Board Culture. Yeah, thanks for having us.
Thank you. Take care.